Hey, thanks for tuning in Across Defense. On today's show, we're considering what Pope Francis said about homosexuality not being a crime, but that it is still a sin. And we're doing it in light of an email I received calling me to repentance, to stop being divisive and judgmental when it comes to warning people against drag shows. So all of that is coming up and more in today's show. Let's get into it. Perhaps you've heard about the Pope's recent statements about homosexuality not being a crime, though it is still a sin, and his follow-up remarks trying to assuage the world that expectedly took issue with something they cherish accurately being called a transgression against God. That didn't sit well with the world. Well, dear saints, that's what we're talking about today here on Cross Defense as we strive to equip your mind, excite your imagination, and comfort your soul with God's Word. I'm your host, Reverend Tyrell Bramwell, the pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church, Christ's beacon of light here on the Lost Coast in Ferndale, California. The president of St. Mark brought the Pope's words to my attention, and a faithful member of the congregation sent me the AP News article. I was interested to read for myself what was said because we've been publicly engaged with proponents of all things LGBTQ since June of 2021, actively engaged with these neighbors. I'm portrayed as hateful in our community and even a cult leader, I have been called, because as a confessional Lutheran pastor of a confessional Lutheran church, I publicly acknowledge that homosexuality is a sin. Yes, I know. The thought of it, right? When the Pope made his comments, I received this email, the following email. I'm going to read it to you. But before I do, this reminds me, uh, you can actually go to stmarksferndale.com slash contact to send me your email if you'd like. Send me your thoughts, your questions, your comments, um, scoldings, reprimands, call me names, whatever you'd like. We can handle it. we got thick skin around here. We are Christians. Uh, they hated Jesus. They will hate us, and we, we know that to be true. That's S-T-M-A-R-K-S, Ferndale.com, slash contact. St. Mark's, Ferndale.com, slash contact. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, here's the email that we received after um, the Pope made his statement. And in light, just so you don't, if you this is the first episode you're catching, uh, we've been brought to task here recently because we warned our neighbors uh, of a drag show saying, beware drag show coming to uh, the, the old steeple concert venue. Okay. So dearest pastor, I do not wish to go into why I sent the attachment of Pope Francis, except to say without love, the church dies with a little cry, crying emoji there. You, you could have loved the people you have so eagerly condemned as if you were God himself. This, this is what she means. She's referring to, to me putting up the sign that did say, beware drag show for kids coming to the old steeple on our church marquee. We change our church marquee every Monday. And those words are me eagerly condemning um, my neighbors as if I'm God himself. So uh, they're, not a, they're not after children, the emailer says. How many priests and men of the cloth have harmed children in the last 100 years, even killed them so they were silenced? And uh, yes, this is uh, atrocious. This is horrible. I unequivocally denounce harming children, no matter who the perpetrator is, priests included. They don't get a free pass. Clergy don't get a free pass. No. Sin is sin, and all sin needs to be dealt with appropriately. And we do have laws that 
will mete out the earthly consequences of those laws. And God is a just God, and without repentance, there is his punishment as well. So just to be clear, clergy don't get a free pass here at St. Mark or throughout the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, throughout Christendom, Orthodox Christianity doesn't say, oh, he's one of ours, so (laughs) let's just turn a blind eye. No, no. The childhood lesson stands. Two wrongs don't make a right. The church isn't giving a pass to the sins of the LGBTQ because of the sins of some clergy. No. We condemn all sin as evil. The evil remains, and we condemn it. Now, here's the thing with comparing the LGBTQ with sins of clergy. Clergy in and of itself is not evil. The men in the office of pastor and priest and bishops and popes and these sorts of things, they are evil. They are sinners, and their sins can be egregious. And when they are, they need to be called to task. But LGBTQ... The entire movement, everyone waving a pride flag is sinning because the entire thing goes against God's word. The clergy isn't going against God's word just by default of being clergy, but the LGBTQ are because they are advocating for lesbianism, homosexuality, transgenderism, queerness, the the making odd that which should be normed by God's word, the entire system is corrupt and sinful. And so we denounce the entire thing where we don't do that to the clergy, to the church, because the church was instituted by Christ. God has called us into his family. Do we have some who sin against their office, the very office of priest and pastor? Yes. And when they do that, they are removed, or they should be. Okay, so um, the email continues. For Christ himself wore the crown of thorns for your sin and mine. Amen to that, sister. Why not bring healing instead of division and judgment? Hmm. You are the voice of Christ calling in the wilderness. Be his voice! Exclamation point. It was one of love. Blessings, Gloria. Thank you, Gloria, very much. Sincerely, truthfully, honestly, thank you for your email. That is exactly what I am doing. We live in a wilderness filled with sin. And as I just said, the entire rainbow pride movement and all of its subcultures and all of its uh, denominations and derivatives, all of it is corrupt through and through from the very beginning. It is all contrary to God's word. It's not loving to discern what that sin is, that there's sin in the wilderness. According to God's righteous judgment, not my own, but God's judgment, and then say nothing. That's not loving. We all know this, just in common sense. To see something bad happening and to watch it, to pull out your phone and record a mugging, to pull out your phone and record someone being brutally attacked or raped or something like this, that's not love. And neither would we call it judgmental if you didn't pull out your phone, but you you had the, the natural reaction and you jumped in and you saved someone from being raped or mugged or murdered or whatever. 
Nobody would say, hey, why are you being so judgmental coming in here to my rescue? Why are you trying to stop that villain? <laughs> no, that's not how it works. It's not loving to discern sin based on God's word and then say nothing. That is not loving. What kind of pastor or priest or pope does that? Not a faithful one. Not a faithful one. Turn with me to Jeremiah 6.10 and following. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are uncircumcised. They cannot listen. You may be more familiar with the New Testament language that Jesus uses. His refrain may be easier for you to grasp. He who has ears, let him hear. Same concept, same idea being communicated. Behold, the word of the Lord is to them an object of scorn that they take no pleasure in it. Therefore, I am full of wrath of the Lord. I am weary of holding it in. Pour it out upon the children in the street and upon the gatherings of young men. Also, both husband and wife shall be taken, the elderly and the very aged. Their houses shall be turned over to others, their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. A couple things here I want to point out as we're going through this. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Their ears are uncircumcised. They cannot listen. They cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord to them is an object of scorn. When, when someone says, beware, there's a fire over there at that particular location. Here's the address. Here, I'll drop a pin on it for you. Go, put it out. And then those words are taken, taken as hateful. The people who think that's hateful, they are scorning that good word. That's what's happening when the church is standing against, in this case, the LGBTQ, and saying, a drag show is happening over there at this location. Be wary. Beware. Don't go there. Be careful. Guard your children. And our words are taken as hate. That's an indicator that there's, there's a scorn for not Pastor Bramwell's words or any faithful pastor's words, but there is a scorn towards the word of the Lord. Another thing I want to point out here from Jeremiah 6 is whose hand does it say will be stretched out against the inhabitants of the land, against Israel? <laughs> Israel's God, right? The Lord's hand. Continuing at verse 13, for from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. Notice, Gloria that prophets and priests, the clergy of the Old Testament era, were, even then, sinful. The clergy do, indeed, sin against God's people. We know this, we've known this the entire time, and we do not give them a free pass. But that also doesn't mean we give a free pass to the Rainbow Legion, Legion of Demons. And yes, there is a record of egregious sins being perpetrated by priests and pastors throughout history. We in no way try to hide this. And we certainly don't continue to sustain an environment that allows for it to continue. Okay, I think I beat that horse to death. <laughs> it's to, the, to this point, though, I find it odd, very extremely odd, to be encouraged to follow a pope's example not only because I'm Lutheran, which in and of itself is very unique, <laughs> that a Lutheran would follow a Pope, as it was Martin Luther who 
ignited the Reformation against the papacy, but also because the very email that is imploring me to be like Pope Francis states that Roman Catholic priests are known for harming children. So I'm con- conflicted here. We don't, we're not being consistent. We do know that the Pope is a Roman Catholic priest, right? Now, Gloria, you, you asked rhetorically, I believe, I know, but this is a teaching moment. How many priests and men of the cloth have harmed children in the last 100 years, even killed them so they were silenced? That's your words. Those are your words. I can speak English, I promise. But why did you only go back 100 years? What's informing your worldview there? What information is giving you a 100-year timeline of the Roman Catholic atrocities? 100 years, that's 1923. Why'd you go back to 1923 and stop there? See, it goes way farther back than that, my friend, way farther back. For example, just for convenience, we could go back 500 years without even breaking a sweat. In Luther's 1531 warning to his dear German people, that's the title of his work, he describes a papal bull that was issued which admitted the sins of the Roman Catholic clergy coming out of the Vatican. Reading from Luther's works, volume 47, page 38, for those of you who are keeping score and trying to follow along, we find this. In the same bull, they decided that a cardinal should not keep as many boys in the future. However, Pope Leo commanded that this be deleted. Otherwise, it would have been spread throughout the whole world how openly and shamelessly the Pope and the cardinals in Rome practice, wait for it, sodomy. Homosexuality, if you're not familiar with that language. Luther goes on to say, I do not wish to mention the Pope. So he doesn't even want to have to go there. But since the knaves will not repent, but condemn the gospel, blaspheme and revile God's word and excuse their vices, they in turn will have to take a whiff of their own terrible filth. So Luther is saying, I'm bringing this up because they will not repent. Would that they would repent and we could, we could be done with this horrible thing, thinking about these awful things. This, he says, this vice is so prevalent among them, the Roman Catholic cardinals and papacy, that recently a pope caused his own death by means of this sodomy, this sin and vice. In fact, he died on the spot. All right now, you popes, cardinals, papists, (laughs) spiritual lords, I love how Luther writes, keep persecuting God's word and defending your doctrine and your churches. No pope cardinal, bishop, doctor, priest, monk, or nun will condemn such an obviously disgraceful life. Rather, they laugh about it in the Roman Catholic Church. They excuse it and gloss over it. These are Luther's words. I'm still quoting. They incite kings, princes, country, and people to defend such knaves with life and property, with land and people, and faithfully to protect them so that such vices might not be repented of and reformed, but rather strengthened, sanctioned, and approved. 
So where the Pope and all the clergy of the Roman Catholic Church in 1531 could have put an end to the sodomy, they actually appealed to the statesmen, the country, the the royalty of the day, the politicians, the, the governors. And by doing so, they actually encouraged the behavior rather than calling them to repentance and calling a thing what it is and bringing it to an end. See, hold the phone a little bit, right? That's exactly what Pope Francis is doing, isn't it? (laughs) Absolutely it is. He's imploring countries to decriminalize homosexuality, to defend such behavior and faithfully protect the proponents of this sin so that, quoting again, such vices might not be repented of and reformed but rather strengthened, sanctioned, and approved. See, this is the problem with a lot of our our new bleeding heart political uh, thought processes. We want to give uh, heroin addicts a safe place to get high. What do we do by doing that? We don't call them to repentance. We don't bring them to reform. We give them a safe place to do their sinful activity, to violate themselves and to destroy their bodies, to kill themselves. No repentance, no reform comes from that. No, we need to call this what it is, horrible, atrocious, and we will have no part of participating in it. If you're going to do this, you're going to have to find a back alley somewhere and risk it yourself. We don't do that. That behavior happens in the dark, if at all, and we want to shine the light into every nook and cranny so there are no dark corners. We certainly won't bring the dark into the light. <laughs> oh, I could get fired up even more about this, my friends, but let's, let's take a break. It's a good time for me to relax. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back to talk more about Gloria's instruction for me to follow Pope Francis and why we won't do that. Thanks for tuning in to Cross Defense. We're having a good time, and we'll be right back after this break. Here's a Bible trivia question for you. What are the only two books in the Bible named for women? If you answered the books of Ruth and Esther, hey, you're right. Join me, Pastor Phil Boo, and a rotating cast of guest pastors as we delve into the lives of these two remarkable women. Discover how God used these women to shape history and move forward his plan for our salvation. Only on Thy Strong Word, weekdays at 11 a.m. on KFUO. Those last words might have caught you off guard. Wait a minute, Pastor Bramwell just said go do it in the back alley. Well, hold on a second. By the time we get to the end of the show, you will will hear from Paul. And how Paul says, not here, but out there. If you're going to do that evil, you don't do it here in the congregation. You don't do it in the light of Christ. You do it over there. We hand you over to Satan. So hang on to that for a second. Don't get riled up and leave. Let's hear the rest of the show. we got two more segments, and we're having a great time. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Defense. We're going to read a little bit more now from Martin Luther's letter to his neighbors. We see King Solomon's inspired words yet again proved correct. As we do this, there is nothing new under the sun. So Luther says, I could easily mention more examples of such abominations, such homosexual abominations. It's interesting that the word abomination, how that is used to describe homosexuality in the Bible. 
That's a powerful, powerful word. Luther writes, but it is too shameful to mention more examples. I fear our German soil, read American soil if you live here, would have to tremble before it. But, but, if an impudent, popish ass should come along and dispute this, he will find me ready to do him battle. And it will be quite a battle, Luther says. If admonition and warning will bring about repentance, these have been and still are being sufficiently administered. Today it has become a commendable and common practice, almost equal to a great virtue, completely to disregard repentance. So Luther is crying out for repentance. He wants and he, he's striving that the sinners in the name of Christ especially would repent, those who are his opponents in the Roman Catholic Church. But they're not repenting. In fact, they've made an art form of disregarding repentance. That's what we have happening here in America today, isn't it, Gloria? We have made a virtue out of disregarding repentance. So much so that when I say, beware, drag show for kids coming to the old steeple, you and many of our neighbors don't hear my words as loving. A warning issued from a place of kindness and mercy and service to neighbor. But you hear them as saying, why not bring healing instead of division and judgment? That's what, that's what you said, right? You see them as divisive. You see them as judgment. Funny thing. In 2021, the first time I was called a bigot by my neighbors here in Ferndale was specifically because I offered healing healing, which is what you said I should offer in no uncertain terms. I used the word healing to anyone hurt by the LGBTQ culture. And that too was considered divisive and judgmental. Why? Well, when I asked a local homosexual man, if I could have used those five letters on the sign LGBTQ in any other way, except for affirming it, and saying it's okay if I would have avoided the, the protest that happened outside the church. He said, no, of course not. And he was honest. It's get on board or you're the enemy. Well, God's word doesn't allow me to get on board with this. God's word doesn't allow us to turn what is clearly a sin into something less so. From a black and a white to a gray. We don't do that. Let's return to Jeremiah 6. Don't take my word on it. Don't take my word on it. I know. Take Jeremiah 6's word on it. <laughs> take God's word on it. The prophets and priests are dealing unjustly with God's people here in this text, as the, the papacy does. 6.14 is where we're going to start if you're following along in your Bible. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying... Peace, peace, when there is no peace. See, we don't have to come up with this stuff ourselves. We don't have to reinvent the wheel or try to come up with an argument. We're not to apply a Band-Aid when it is a life-threatening wound. See, the church's faithful teaching is not gospel reductionism. We don't 
reduce everything in scripture, all the doctrine that we live by, down to the gospel as if God isn't a just God with a law that reveals his divine will for the the pinnacle of his creation, mankind, to keep. Christ fulfilled that will, yes. Christ kept that law in our place because we can't keep it. But this does not mean that we sin with abandon and speak an anemic gospel amputated from the power and the truth of God's love. This does not mean that we call sins righteous or just don't label them at all. But that's not what happened. Is happening. The LGBTQ is saying what is sinful is not. They are saying it is good. Isaiah 520 style. What is bad they're calling good and what is good they're calling bad. What I'm doing is good. Objectively from scripture, warning my neighbors is a loving good act and it is being labeled as divisive and judgmental It is being labeled as hateful and bigoted, and that is just not the case. Romans 6 makes this clear too. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, Paul says. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. See the purpose here? That we're, we're freed from our sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. Once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Listen to this, Gloria. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Sister, repent. You speak of Christ's love. Repent and join us the faithful church, in warning our neighbors out of love. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either to sin, which leads to death, or to 
or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So we, we strive to obey the law. Though we know we can't, though we know we fail to, that doesn't mean we say, ah, not going to do it. Christ died for me. We're free and clear. We are free and clear. And that is the very thing in our heart that motivates us to want to be obedient to the law. Because we have the spirit of Christ in us, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. Yes, we are slaves of righteousness. That's the chain I wear. Gloria, that's the chain the Christian wears. The shackles of righteousness. And they do not chafe. Christ Jesus is my master. I am his slave. That's what the word Lord means. Master. I am but a servant. I don't have the freedom to call what the master says is sinful, not sinful. Just like I can't say something that's not sinful, it's sinful. I don't get that liberty. You and I, sister, we are slaves to Christ. Paul says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. You hear that? So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification. And its end? Eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, faithful Christians, pastors or otherwise, we don't say peace, peace when there is no peace. Gospel, gospel, when what is needed is the law. Law. What's needed right now, as the Rainbow Legion is sweeping this country, is not peace, peace. Because there is no peace. What's needed right now is law warning them that if they continue in their unrepentance, they are forfeiting eternal life, which is their free gift in Christ. We do not get to sin that grace may abound. By doing so, we spit in the face of our Lord. We cheapen his free grace. That is not what we do. We do not get to say what is untrue. Instead, we say, repent, repent. We offer true healing to deep wounds, sister. We don't use band-aids when what's needed is surgery and sutures. Why? Well, because of your email, what you said. Because this is not love. Trying to heal something that requires severe surgery with a band-aid isn't love. Remember, God is love. And God himself is the one who defines what is and is not a sin. Homosexuality, transgenderism, 
the intentional rejection of God's norms and adoption of the queer, that is, the odd, that which is outside of what Scripture would have us do, what our Father in heaven would have us do. These things, God says, are sins against Him. They're crimes against Him. What does Jeremiah 6.15 say will happen to those messengers who do not speak the full counsel of God's word, who don't bring the law to sinners in need of repentance, but instead deceive them with gospel language inappropriately applied to their lives, a false sense of security? What does he say will happen? Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No. They were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. Look to the old ways. Look to what scripture says from the days of old, the ancient paths, and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. I set watchmen over you saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. See, my sign on the church marquee facing the intersection that many, many people in Humboldt County drive past, it is the sound of a trumpet telling people to pay attention. And they are saying, as you, Gloria, are saying in your email that I hope you will repent of, they are saying, we will not pay attention. Pay attention, sister. I don't want to see you go to hell. Christ doesn't want to see you perish. No, repent. And use your voice to truly speak love to all those around us who we see need to know love. The love that says, don't touch the stove. You'll burn yourself. That's love. Don't play in the highway. That's where trucks drive. You'll get ran over. That's love. No is just as loving as yes. In fact, why is it that most children learn the word no before yes? Because mom and dad love them enough to say no. Verse 18, therefore hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what will happen to them? Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster upon this people, the fruit of their devices, because they have not paid attention to my words. And as for my law, they have rejected it. What used to me is frankincense that comes from Sheba, or sweet cane from a distant land. God doesn't need these things. Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices pleasing to me. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will lay before this people stumbling blocks against which they shall stumble, fathers and sons together, neighbor and friend, shall perish. Why? Because they didn't pay attention. Because they had hard hearts. And they told people not to be divisive or judgmental when those people were only trying to love their neighbors. If I may, Gloria, I truly, I truly appreciate your writing in. And I truly hope you find these words helpful 
in understanding truth and love as it truly is from our Father in heaven. I hope it's helpful to everyone listening as well. Let's take a break right there. And then when we get back, we'll highlight Gloria's conclusion in her email and and deal with some of that as well. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much. This is Cross Defense. We'll be right back. Martin Luther wrote in his small catechism, as the head of the family should teach them in a simple way to his household. He reminded the church then and today to learn by heart the basics of the Word of God and the Gospel. I'm Pastor Brady Finner, host of Concord Matters. Beginning September 24th, join me as we get back to the basics with the six chief parts. Grab your catechism and be ready for a simple, theologically rich study with lots of Jesus. Saturday mornings at 10 on KFUO and on demand at KFUO.org, the KFUO radio app and anywhere you get podcasts. I want to highlight the end of Gloria's email because it's very important. Well, all of it is. All of this. This is very serious stuff we're dealing with. In the email, it says, she says that I am, Pastor Bramwell is, I'm the one under criticism here, the voice of Christ calling in the wilderness. And she says, be his voice. It was one of love. Amen. You're absolutely right, Gloria. The Lord's voice is one of love. God is love, as Scripture tells us. I recently made a video called Love or Hate. So I'm just going to put a link to that in the show notes and point you to that, everyone who wants to learn more about the God is love aspect of this conversation, so we can move on to some more content. But you can take a listen to that, love or hate. Since you use the biblical language of calling in the wilderness, I want to focus the rest of the show on that. Let's go to scripture and and look at where that language comes from and how it's being used, the context of this calling in the wilderness and what this love looks like. This is really important for our day and age, for everyone listening. Open with me to Isaiah 39, verse 5. First, we get the law. And in it, we see the the short-sighted self-centeredness when it's delivered, of of the hearer, King Hezekiah. There's no concern for one's neighbor. It's all all about me. And this is is a big problem in America today, so we can learn a lot here. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day, so what you've inherited, shall be carried off to Babylon, Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons, Hezekiah, some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought, There will be peace and security in my days. Hmm. See the selfishness? It doesn't matter that all of Israel and my own family and everything from my ancestors that they they provided for me, it doesn't matter that all that's going to be sent into exile and plundered. People will be made eunuchs because of of this. Ah, It's not going to happen to me, so party on. 
to, now comes the gospel in Isaiah 40, where we get this language of the voice in the wilderness. It's gospel for those who are afflicted by the consequences of the law. This promise of comfort and peace is ultimately fulfilled in Christ Jesus on the cross for all of us. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God, Isaiah 41. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That's our, that's our voice in the wilderness reference, isn't it? Preparing the way of the Lord. In Isaiah 35, we have a beautiful, poetic image of the wilderness and the highway for our God. Verse 8, and a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? And Gloria answered, love. All flesh is grass, we read. And all its beauty is like the flower of the field, the grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. Ooh, that's kind of a hard word when you think about it. It's said very poetically, but it's saying all the people will perish. (laughs) The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. We as people, we will fade and, and die away. What remains? The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. We do never progress past it. We are always fixed on the unchanging word of the Lord. What was said in the old days, has application for today. Homosexuality didn't just magically become not a sin. Pope Francis may want it to not be a crime, but it's always going to be a sin. What does the voice in the wilderness cry? The loving word that tells us we're not going to live forever as creatures. That's a loving word because it helps us number our days and walk according to God's path on his highway, the way of holiness. We are like grass that withers and flowers that fade. But what endures forever? The word of God, the word of the Lord. And that word of God points repentant sinners to true comfort in God, not comfort in delusions that sins are not crimes and therefore okay, or that sins are not sins. That's ultimately what the LGBTQ advocates want everyone to acknowledge. That's, that's what this, all this tension is about. That God is a liar because they're not sinners. Love is love. But we can't do that, Gloria. We can't do that in love. We can't because of 1 John 1, 8 to 10, which says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. It's with the understanding of repentance under the law that the voice in the wilderness can do as Isaiah 49 
says. That's 40 verse 9. Go up up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, might, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Gospel. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Mm. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Let's be crystal clear here. It's not good news for the unrepentant sinner that the Lord God comes with his might. That's bad news for those who dismiss God and his word. Why? Because they've rejected that good news. They've rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you turn away from God and then, and then he comes, you receive what the verse describes as recompense. God's wrath, his vengeance, his just punishment for breaking his just decrees which takes us to the fulfillment of the voice in the wilderness prophecy in the New Testament. Turn to Matthew 3. Here we learn more about repentance and the confession of sins. We also see the very strong language of warning, far stronger than beware, drag show coming to the old steeple. That's mild. That's nothing. This is the loving voice of the one crying in the wilderness preparing the way of Jesus. In those days... John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Matthew 3, 1. Repent, he said, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he's just getting started. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and his, his food was locusts and wild honey. And then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins, not pretending they weren't sinful, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. See, the Pharisees and Sadducees were doing just like you're saying, Gloria, just like the world is accusing me of. They were standing in judgment of me. Standing in judgment of John, the voice crying in the wilderness. Standing in judgment of the one preparing the way for Christ, preparing the way for the gospel. Using the law to bring people to repentance so they would confess their sins, be baptized, and saved by Jesus on the cross. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were the ones with no love in their hearts. They were the ones keeping people in their slavery to sin. And so John uses very strong language, brood of vipers, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, repent, and don't think of yourself higher than you ought. Even now, he says, the ax is laid to the root of the trees. You're about to be cut down. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. 
thrown into the fire. That's as loving as it gets, Gloria. That's the truth. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, John says. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Who's the he? Jesus. Jesus. So tell me what is loving, dear sister? Letting people remain with the chaff or warning them so they become part of the wheat? You tell me. Email me back. I'd love to hear from you. Email me, Gloria. Anyone out there listening to this? I know we have an audience of trolls. (laughs) Never thought I would be able to say that. But we also have a lot of faithful, the majority of the audience, faithful Lutheran, I'm presuming, Christians. Don't be deceived, my friends. We are loving when we speak truth. As Martin Luther says, we are okay. It's all right, according to Scripture, when we see someone publicly living and believing and speaking against the gospel, it's okay to judge that and call it what it is. There are lots of reservations on judgment. Yes, do it with humility and grace. Live peaceably with all as much as it depends on you. But truth is loving. Seeing someone lead someone away by calling sin not a sin and saying nothing, that's not loving. This is the context of the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Kindly, Gloria, I ask you, would you have emailed John the Baptist to tell him that You could have loved the people you have so eagerly condemned as if you were God himself. That's what you said to me. Why not bring healing instead of division and judgment, you said. No, of course not. You wouldn't have emailed John the Baptist that. He's in the text. He's right there in scripture. And what does Jesus say about him? He is the greatest prophet born among women. As far as speakers of God's word goes, he holds the cake. Only Jesus is higher than John the Baptist. And he told people, They were brood of vipers and that Jesus was going to burn them with an unquenchable fire if they didn't repent. That's love. The only reason we use language like that is because we love. And so we have one more thing to address as we close out today's show. We're down to the wire here, I think. We're getting close. This is the funny thing about being a pastor. When we speak the hard words of love, those that say, don't touch the stove or you're going to burn your hand, Don't play in the highway. You'll get ran over by a semi-truck. When we say these things, we tell people to repent of their homosexuality or any of the LGBTQ sins or any sin under the sun. Repent of your gossip. Repent of your your theft. Repent of being lazy or glutton or any of it. The only reason we talk about the LGBTQ is because that's where the battle's at right now in our culture for, for the hearts of our people. When we warn and call people to repentance, which is our job as pastors. Some hear it with circumcised ears and some with uncircumcised ears. Some hear it with ears that hear and others just hear it and they have scorn for the word of God. They hear loving words, some that identify sin as condemnation and even scoff at the pastor for acting as if he was God himself. That's a very curious turn of phrase. 
as if you were God himself. What did Jesus say to his disciples? John 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. He was that close to them, speaking to them. And he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Confessional Lutherans are familiar with this. The office of the keys, this, this is the very real sense where the men who have been called into the, into the office of pastor are called to stand before people as if they were God himself. Yes, Gloria, you nailed it. I know the audacity of it, right? This is the pastoral office. We don't know how to handle this anymore because we're so disconnected from a, uh, we're so anti-clerical in everything we think about. But it's not audacious at all. It's biblical. That's what the divine call is that a pastor receives. A pastor doesn't get to speak his own opinion on a subject. I don't speak Ty's opinion on the subject of sin, on the subject of LGBTQ anything. I speak God's word as if I were God himself, meaning I only speak what he says. I don't go any further, and I certainly don't stop short because it makes me uncomfortable. I must decrease that Christ may increase. So in this office, Ty is done. Christ is increasing. So I told you about the Apostle Paul. He charged Timothy, uh, as we know from uh, the, the, the epistle to Timothy, to, to live out his pastoral ministry. But I want to get to 1 Corinthians 5. Take a look at, at uh, you know, 1 Timothy. Take a look at both Timothy, Timothys. But let's go real quick to 1 Corinthians 5 before the show is out. Because this is where we see Paul does something different than Pope Francis would do. He says, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. He's writing to the church. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. See, Pope Francis is saying, you know, make a way for the, for the unrepentant sinner to kind of you know, settle in and get comfortable and bring him into conversion. Make a, there needs to be a plan of conversion. Well, you know what Paul's plan for conversion was? Tell them they're sinning. Plead with them to repent. If they continue in their unrepentance and will not sin, or will not stop sinning, cast them out. That they would be confronted with their sin and that they would hopefully repent and live before they die. He says, 1 Corinthians 5.13, God judges those outside the church. Purge the evil person from among you and let God deal with them. We certainly don't bring it into the church. Read that whole section. 1 Corinthians 5, um, 1 through 13 is good stuff. We're out of time, my friends. Sorry, we got to leave it there. This is love, my friends. This is what I want to leave you with. This is love, true love. Protective, logical love. This is the love of God who doesn't want anyone to perish in his or her sin. God wants all people to reach repentance. And so there is a voice of Christ crying out in this wilderness. It's your faithful Christian pastor and friend. Repent and believe in Christ because he did wear the crown of thorns for you and for me. Repent and live. You can send me an email at stmarksferndale.com slash contact if you'd like to discuss this further. I'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you here at the Wing Lion Studio and at KFUO.org. We're out of time. Until next time.
Christ be with you. Amen. Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org.